Hello and welcome to your Fairy God Mentor. This is the show that inspires, encourages, educates, and supports expected couples who desire to confidently navigate pregnancy, birth, and finding balance in an unbalanced world. I am Angie Taylor, the mother of nine with two degrees in natural health. I'm also a birth insider, knowing the ins and outs of the birth industry and all of the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've worked with expecting couples since 2003 in a variety of roles, including birth educator, birth doula, home birth midwife, breastfeeding support, and life coaching. Sit back and enjoy hearing about all the things you never knew you never knew. Welcome to your Fairy God Mentor. Today we're going to hear from Linda Lederman, owner and creator of Balabusta's Secret. Linda's cooking skills were so bad, her own family banned her from cooking when she was a teenager. Happily, her skills have dramatically improved. She now has over 1,000 cookbooks, is a graduate of Ruxby Cooking School and the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and has countless cooking courses from the International Culinary Center and Natural Gourmet Institute under her belt. She is a kitchen confidence coach and owner of Balabusta Secret, where she helps busy moms with meal planning, prep, and cooking lessons, as well as coaches them on how to serve their delicious dinners with side dishes of games and clever conversations with their family. Well, Linda, I am so excited to have you here for my podcast, Your Fairy God Mentor. I I love what you do as a business owner, uh, working with families and helping them with meal preparations and making it fun. Um, we're going to talk about everything that you do, but I want to start with what is a balabusta? Absolutely. Thank you for having me here, Angie. You know, a balabusta is an old-fashioned Yiddish term. It's a dying language, but it's a really important term. And it means a woman who makes a fine home. And I don't mean a Martha Stewart fine home. I mean making the kind of home where everybody wants to come and visit. Everybody wants to be a part of your family in your house. It's the kind of home where... People can relax, put their feet up, tell stories, eat delicious food, and just have tremendous camaraderie. And so why wouldn't you want that for your home? You want your kids' friends to feel comfortable to visit you so you can know who they're socializing with. And you want those kids to be comfortable with you so they can confide in you if they have to. Mm -hmm. You want your friends to be comfortable in your house. And certainly you want your family to be comfortable in a house. So my goal is to let everybody uh, become a balabusta in the way that works for them. I love that. And as you were describing that, I was thinking of my mom. And uh, she was a single mom of six daughters. And she would, every weekend, have us invite our friends over, and she would make homemade pizza and would have, mm. you know, the different variety of pop lined up, and we would play different board games in different rooms of the house, or there would be a movie playing on the TV, and everybody just laughing and giggling and having pizza and pop at our house. There was always like 20 or 30 kids in the house that night. 
Your mother was definitely a balabusta. <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody called her mom. The moment they walked in the door, she was mom. Yeah. Uh, and she loved that. She absolutely loved that. Um, it's something that I had wanted to create in my own home. However, my husband's work has moved us like every two to three years. And so we don't have the roots that I had wanted to have for my family. We haven't lived in a place long enough um, for the kids to really feel like they could bring their friends over. I think there's always been that, that feeling like, um, why have them get used to my family and get to know my family because we're just going to move soon. Yeah, but hopefully because we have so much technology in our lives now that they didn't have maybe when you were growing up and certainly when I was growing up, they can still stay in touch. So you could start forming those roots. They just take a different form than what we're used Absolutely. to seeing. Absolutely. I agree. We, we lived for a couple of years in Mexico, and I know that each one of my kids still has friends in Mexico that they communicate with every now and then through Facebook Messenger or Instagram or most likely Snapchat. That seems to be be the one that they love to. The kid to way to go. It's the one I've stayed away from because I didn't want them to feel like mom was crying over their shoulder and exactly. you know, all of that. <laughs> um, so it's their one place where they can, you know, be themselves and not have to worry about the prying eyes of mom and dad. However, um, the younger kids do have to have their older siblings that are on there as their friends. Um, oh, I love that idea. That's a great that idea. That way they're, they're still have someone watching their back and helping to make sure that they're doing same things safely and not being conned into doing something that they think is innocent, but the other person is really just out to hurt them. Yeah. Um, it really bothers me that I have to teach my children about such things, but it is sadly the reality of our world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's one reason why it's so important to for our kids to know that their home is a safe place. And so let's talk about the importance of family dinner time. Sure. You know, it used to be that everybody would come home relatively the same time or get ready for dinner relatively the same time. And nobody thought that it was optional not to sit down and have a family meal. I mean, that's the way things used to be done. And of course, in this day and age, people are being pulled in a million different directions. Their job hours, hours aren't always consistent. After school activities aren't consistent. Your own work schedule or volunteering schedule may cause different pulls on your time. Given that, it's still important to have a sit-down family meal. The studies show that when you do have a sit-down family meal, your kids do better in school. They're less likely to abuse illegal substances. They have better communication skills. They have better social skills. That's a way for everybody to decompress. Everybody's lives are so fast these days that you don't take the time to become the person you are. You don't even get to experience yourself sometimes because you're moving from one activity to the next. So family dinner time is that one respite from all the chaos that's happening in the world around you. And so it's so important to take that time to really get to know each other, refresh your spirit, hash out things that are bothering you, sharing victories, and sharing lots of fun and end games at the table and laughter. So you're not grilling each other about what's happening in your lives, but you're actually enjoying sharing it. Right, right. Because being in a family, is like the only place where we can really take our mask off. It's the only, these are the people who know who we really are. And you want them to know who you are. That's, that's, 
you know, you have to feel that it's a comfortable, safe environment so you can let your true colors show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those that, you know, people always ask, why is it the people that hurt you the most are the ones that you love? Well, it's because they feel comfortable enough with you (laughs) to, to do that. Give them the space to do that and know that it's not, it's not a reflection of who I am as a parent or a sibling in the way that I think it is. It's actually a positive thing saying, Hey, I trust you and I'm going to allow you to see me like this very vulnerable, sad, angry, frustrated, whatever it is. Um, and so it's really important, um, for us to know that we've got that. Uh, I grew up with, like I said, my mom was a single mom, six girls. And, um, we always had family dinner. She was home in time for dinner. And when we were 12 years old, each one of us, as we turned 12, we would get a night to cook. That was our, our time to cook. And so that's when we learned about everything in the kitchen and how to make everything, how to read a recipe, how to take that recipe ingredients and create a shopping list and, and how to create a meal that was balanced and nutritious. And, you know, mom having six daughters, it meant she only had to cook one night a week. <laughs> she was in a pool. <laughs> right? like, smart. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because when you say that, that's how I started my cooking. But my cooking wasn't successful when I started out. When I was in high school, I said to my mom, mom, you're the most boring cook I know, which probably wasn't really nice of me, but I was speaking my truth. And she said, okay, smarty pants, one night a week, you are going to cook. And she bought me a book called The Joy of Cooking, which was a very big cookbook, um, no pictures, which I could have used at the time. Mm -hmm. And she said, pick a recipe, tell me the ingredients you need. And then every Wednesday, you're going to cook a dinner. I said, great. But it meant that the pressure was on because I couldn't make something like hamburgers or, you know, something easy because that would defeat my purpose of calling her boring. Mm -hmm. So the first time I tried to cook, I made Swedish meatballs. Well, I know nothing about Swedish meatballs. I don't know how they look, how they taste, how to cook them. And trust me, it was horrible, horrible. And everybody said, okay, it's her first time. Everything will be great. And um, the second time I tried to make Vila Cordon Bleu, I didn't know what it was equally as bad. After my third dinner, my third week, I got banned from cooking. And somehow I do that not as a defeat, but as a reason why I should learn how to do something better and prove them wrong. Because I knew, you know, it's not rocket science. You just have to know what you're doing. And that was really the start of my quest on becoming a balabusta in one of the senses of the word. And since then, I've taken countless cooking classes. Um, I have over a thousand cookbooks. I don't really use any of them to follow a recipe, but I get inspiration. And now, like I said, I'm I'm the go-to house for wonderful times, wonderful food. And um, that's what you want to do. So even if you can't cook, there's hope for everybody. Absolutely. And I, I love your story because my mom would share with us that she has three sisters, no brothers, and her mother wouldn't allow any of them to help her with dinner. And so when mom got married, all she knew how to make were pancakes. She said that she and dad got tired of pancakes really fast. But that's when she started to figure out, I can put apples in them. I can put bananas in them. I can put chocolate chips in them. (laughs) Yep, yep. Creativity by uh, necessity. (laughs) Right, right. But then she decided, you know, I want want to learn how to do this. And my mom's not going to teach me, so I'm going to have to figure it out. And um, she became an amazing bread cook. I mean, everybody knew. Oh, that's an art. Yeah, my mom's 
bread was amazing. Um, and then started teaching her other, herself other things, you know, um, as I've taught my kids how to cook, I've told them, you know, if it's a new recipe, follow it to the letter. If there's words in there, you don't understand, look them up, um, or ask me what they are and I can explain them to you. Um, if I know what they are, it just depends on what the recipe mm -hmm. is they're choosing. Um, I said, but follow it to the letter and then taste it and see if you like it. Then you'll know after you taste it, how you might change it yourself, you know, but absolutely, what, what you, you have to make that? everything your own, but, exactly. um, a lot of people feel very comfortable starting out with a recipe. And my only caveat to that is if it says two garlics and your family likes a lot of garlic, feel free to add more garlic. I mean, there's absolutely. some things, you know, right off the bat that, you know, what your, your, either your audience likes or dislikes or what you like. So, right. There's even a little flexibility when you're just starting out. Recipes mm -hmm. are great guides um, because they're going to teach you not only the ingredients, but they're going to teach you the techniques you need to use. And once you know your ingredients and what they taste like and how to use them and how to cook with them, your ability to create meals on the fly is endless. And Absolutely. so you're not going to be saying, oh, my gosh, I have nothing to cook tonight. I don't know what to do. And you have a full refrigerator and pantry. Well, no, once you have those skills, you'll be able to cook up dinners in no time. Right. Yeah, we have a son who will be 16 in February, and he's been cooking. He's been using the barbecue, the smoker that my husband bought earlier this year. And he loves to do steak and chicken and, and uh, pork and, you know, all the things and experiment with different things. He made chili the other night and he came in and he asked me for my recipe. And I told him um, how I make make it. And he says, what about a barbecue sauce in chili? I said, look it up. I said, I've never done it, but look it up. See, see yeah. what you can find. And so he took my recipe and he added the ingredients for a barbecue chili recipe that he found. And it was really good. I bet. I bet. You know, one of the nice things about cooking as opposed to baking is you have tremendous flexibility. I like to cook because I can experiment as I go all the time. Baking is a science. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want your cake to rise or your bread to rise, you need your proportions exactly measured. You need your timing right. And it's a fabulous art and it's a fabulous talent to be able to cook, I mean, to be able to bake. Um, but there's much more forgiveness in cooking as opposed to baking. Yes, there is. Yes. My kids have found that out the hard way. I had two kids when we lived in Mexico, they made brownies. And I don't remember what they were trying to put in, but they ended up putting in a full tablespoon of salt. Ooh. Yeah, that's a problem. But that's but a good way to learn. It is a great way to learn. Um, as a homeschooling family, one of the ways that I taught my kids uh, fractions was I took our favorite cookie recipe and I cut it in half. And then I asked them to triple it. And they said, well, mom, how are we going to know that we have our numbers right? I said, you're going to use it to bake cookies. And we will know very quickly. <laughs> that was very clever. They happened to have a friend uh, that was homeschooling with us at that time. Her mom was a single mom and couldn't homeschool her. But homeschooling was recommended to them as, as the best option for her daughter. And so she was with us and we saw her many, many years later and she gave me a great big hug. And she said, I have never forgotten how 
to handle fractions because you taught me through cooking. There you go. There you go. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it, it's interesting because it's not only you learning the techniques and the skills to cook, but like you're saying, you have to be able to pass that on to your kids. So if you look at everything as a, a whole picture, it's the shopping, it's the measuring, it's the cooking, and it's sitting down and having that conversation. And if your kids don't participate in it, how are they going to do that when they quote unquote, grow up and raise a family of their own. And if you don't have a, if you have a generation of people who have no idea how to make that family warmth, and it's really, it's family warmth, if they don't know how to do that, then you're losing so much of the importance of having a family and being a part of a community. So it's not just knowing how to do it for yourself, but you're really modeling it for your kids and you're teaching your kids so that they can do it for themselves when they branch out on their own. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a daughter who loves making fudge. I have this amazing fudge recipe and fudge can be very frustrating for a lot of people for a number of reasons, mostly because it's all about the timing, but she was, she was making it. She was trying to hurry the process. And you and I both know what happens when you try to hurry the process, especially (laughs) with fudge. And uh, so it was gritty. It had that grainy taste to it because the, the sugar didn't get a chance to melt completely. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like, but mom, I did, I timed it just like we have on the recipe and it usually works out. What happened? And I said, well, you were rushed. So in your rushing it to hurry and get it done, you missed a very crucial ingredient that most people don't even think about. And that is the love of making the fudge for the people you wanted to give it to. You know, I, t- I tell my kids all the time, if, if I make something, they really like it. Mom, you know, what, what you, how'd you make it? I said, well, you know, my secret ingredient, the secret ingredient is always love. And you can actually taste love in the food mm-hmm. when you put it into the ingredients in the process. A firm believer, Absolutely. love is always the best ingredient. Absolutely. I don't know if you know who um, Dr. Elson Hawes is. He's a medical doctor who specializes in nutritional medicine, and he's got some books on the market, and one of them is Staying Healthy with Nutrition, and it's over a 1,000 pages long, um, scariest book in the world to, to read, and um, but it goes into the individual nutrients. You know, It introduces you to the macronutrients, the micronutrients, and then it explains each one individually, and one of the vitamins that he includes in there is vitamin L. For love? love. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. So when I was reading that, I was just like, I love this so much. Forget, we forget what that is and and why that is so important. Yep. So you, you do this thing uh, with dinners that help to make it a whole lot more fun than just sitting down around the table. Yes, I do. So, so the worst thing you can do, or one of the, there's many worst things you can do, but one of the best <laughs> worst things you can do is to sit down at a dinner table and you start grilling your kids. How was your day? Fine. What'd you do? Nothing. You're not going to get any information. You're just going to get resistance and it's going to be really miserable. And I find that if you have planned a little bit in advance, just like you would plan your recipe or your meals. If you plan a little bit about the conversation you're going to be having or doing or the focus of your meal, it makes it that much easier to have an enjoyable time. 
So one of the things I do with the people that I work with is give them ideas of what games that they can play or conversations they can start. So I'll give you a couple examples. There's a silly holiday for a silly food holiday for every day of the year. And if you know what that holiday is for your given day or your given week, you can start a conversation around it. So an, an example is April. April is National Poetry Month. Well, came last April, I said to my kids, you know, it's National Poetry Month. And you can imagine the groans I got because they really couldn't care less about National Poetry Month. And I said to them, and including my husband, I said, when you come down to dinner tonight, I want you to bring a poem. We're all going to do a poem at dinner. Well, they said, forget it, mom. You know, you're out of your mind. We're not doing this. And I said, no, you need to expand your horizons and think about what a poem can be. As far as I'm concerned, a poem can be a TV jingle. It can be a song. It could be a rap song. All lyrics are poetry. Right. You have to think out of the box when you think of poetry. Mm -hmm. I said, you could write your own poem. You could copy one down or read it on your phone, even though I don't allow phones at the table. If you're going to read the poem, I'll, I'll, I'll give an exception to the rule. I said, but you have to, you know, humor me and, and come down with something. So, you know, begrudgingly, they said, all right, this is one of mom's ideas. And usually my ideas turn out pretty good. So they said, all right, we'll do it. And that night, my son came down with a poem that he wrote on I Hate Poetry, which was very funny and very clever. And by all means, it was his definition of a poem. So he did it. My uh, daughter um, came down with a handful of TV jingles that she liked, and that was fine. My husband took it upon himself to write a rap song, which had us rolling off of our seats. And I will tell you, it was one of the most memorable meals we had in a long time because everybody participated in doing something that they had no interest doing that turned out to be loads of fun. And to this day, when we have friends over or my kids have their friends over, my husband will say to them, do you know, I wrote a rap song. Would you like to hear it? And he <laughs> brings it out again and we all groan. So that's a, a minor example of things that you can do at your table to make them then really happy. Another example is there was a, a marketing agency in California and they, on top of their building, they had a big mascot. It was half human or three quarters human and had a chicken on its head. And the most hideous, hideous thing you could see for miles around. But everybody really liked it because it was so bizarre. And his name was Chicken Boy. Now, eventually the, the marketing agency moved or went out of business and somebody bought the building and they were going to take Chicken Boy down because it was not reflective of whatever their business was. And the town said, no, this is crazy. We love it. And they all got together, raised funds and took the statue and put it in the park. And they made September 5th Chicken Boy Day. Now, come the beginning of September, I tell my clients, OK, September 5th Chicken Boy Day. I'll give them a couple of chicken recipes so they can stick with the theme. And I'll say, and here's some things you can talk about at dinner. Let's talk about a favorite toy you had a child that you never want to give up. Because again, nobody wanted to give up this beloved statue. Mm -hmm. If you were half human and half animal, what would the other half be? Why? What could you do if that you were that way? So now you're part of sparking conversation where you really get your kids thinking in out-of-the-box ways the conversation is tremendously interesting, tremendously fun, and it makes your meal so much more enjoyable. So I do things like that. I suggest games that they can play. There's a million games and round robin stories. And if you have a bunch of those in your back pocket, no matter how tired you are after cooking or after your day at work, you know you're going to have some fun when you sit down at the dinner table. 
And not only is the conversation lively and wonderful and warm, it also um, helps you if you have picky eaters for kids. Because if your kids are having fun at dinner time, your dinner is not spent in a battle of eat that spinach. I'm telling you, you can't have anything right. unless you eat that broccoli. But if you're having fun, you'd be surprised how that food gets eaten because they have something other than resisting you to do at the table because they're participating. I love that. I'm going to come have dinner at your house. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and I will tell you that I have a son who's a, a sophomore in college and fairly recently his girlfriend came down and she was going to have dinner with us for the first time. And I said to her, did Max, Max is my son. Did Max tell you we play games at the dinner table? And she said, yes. I said, did he tell you that you have to participate? And so she said, yes. And when we had dinner, we played one of our games and she was very fun and played along. And I have to tell you, it was a wonderful way to break the ice and get to know somebody. You know, we weren't sitting there going, and what are you studying in college? And why do you want to be a teacher? And blah, 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 blah. And 20 questions shooting at her. No, she actually became a part of the family immediately because we embraced her and she embraced the game. And it was wonderful. And so I highly recommend it for we do it when we have Thanksgiving. You know, I have these really fun questions that I put on the table and games that we play at the table with friends and relatives because you're talking and you're having fun and that's what it should be about. I totally agree. I was in a health coach training once and, and they shared the Ten Commandments of having a healthy meal. And one of them was, you know, there should be no arguing at the table. And I told my instructor, I said... <laughs> You know, at this point, I have eight children. And if we don't have an argument at the table, none of us would be eating. And it was never thing that was, you know, mom and dad attacking a kid. It was usually the kids, you know, having a little disagreement about something. Um, but that was our opportunity as parents to teach the kids some conflict resolution and is something that can be done in a game. When you're doing the, you know, different games and you're the rival, you've got to figure out how to play this game and be civil about it. So I love, I love your ideas. I love the, the poetry and all of those things. Do you have, do you have a, like a, a freebie of any kind with ideas for people or is this? I have a freebie that I can give your listeners and it's called quick dinner time, sanity saving tips. And in it, it has um, ideas for your pantry staples, your refrigerator, your freezer staples, how to throw cook quick meals together, how to batch cook, how to do the nitty gritty of your meal planning and cooking. And then it gives you some ideas as well of, of games you can play at the table. So if people sign up for that, they'll be able to see some of those examples. I do obviously do a, a lot more when I do my coaching, but um, as a freebie, that's a good way to get your feet wet. Nice. I love it. So would you share some of your quick meal planning and prep tips? Just some of them. Sure. Um, one of the things that makes life a lot easier is to batch cook. And what batch cooking means is you're making more of a certain um, part of your meal than you're going to consume at that one meal. So for instance, I make amazing um Asian meatballs, Asian, Asian spicy turkey meatballs. My kids absolutely love them. And I make them on a sheet pan and they take absolutely no time, bake them in the oven. They're really, really delicious. But I'll make a whole lot of them. And so I'll have some leftovers. And another night during the week, 
I can take those leftover spicy Asian turkey meatballs, crumble them and put them in a lettuce leaf with hoisin sauce, make a totally different dinner, but I'm not starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. So if you know how to reuse and repurpose your leftovers, you're not cooking from scratch every night of the week. And that's a huge, huge time saver. Another example is I, I make a chicken tiki masala. And you can either make your tiki masala sauce from scratch or you can buy a really delicious jar from Trader Joe's. I'm, I'm not opposed to cutting your corners if your ingredients are healthy um, and tasty. So however you make it, um, I always make it with a side of rice. But I make a big batch of rice. And my leftover rice, I'll use another day during the week to make fried rice. Because if you're going to make fried rice, the secret is that rice should be at least a day old. Mm -hmm. So boom, I'm already halfway to my next meal. I got the rice. I can turn it into a fried rice. I can put leftover roast chicken on it, leftover salmon or the salmon fresh. But my meal is almost done and I haven't even started to cook. So batch cooking is a really great thing. You can batch cook stews and freeze some of them. You could batch cook soups and freeze them. Um, so it's not just um, cooking it that week, you know, reusing it that week. If you know what you can freeze and how to freeze it properly, it's another time saver. Um, you also, when if you're going to do some meal prepping in advance, you know, meal prepping is different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And when I work with my clients, I give you methods that will work for your lifestyle. For instance, not everybody wants to devote a Sunday to meal prepping for the rest of the week. And I totally get that. Personally, I wouldn't want to do that, but I can teach you how if that works with your lifestyle and your time schedule. But you have to know what your schedule looks like. So if you know that you're going to be running late on a Tuesday or your kids have a late soccer game on a Wednesday, don't plan on making a really big, complex meal that day. So the, the first start is, you know, know what your schedule is. And then you have to know what you have as your ingredients. Um, if you have a good pantry filled with ingredients that are flexible and your refrigerator's got some really good staples in it, maybe even your freezer, you're halfway there to meal planning already. Then you need to know how to use those. So maybe you're bored with making that same Taco Tuesday every night. Um, you know, it's nice to have a theme and that's one way to meal plan and that's really great. But you might want to think out of the box a little bit. So instead of making your Taco Tuesday with taco meat every week, you can do your Taco Tuesday with, let's say, fish one week or shrimp or pulled pork. You still have a theme. So you've got guidance on what you're going to do that night, but you're going to shake up the ingredients a little bit. So there's many ways to meal plan. There's many ways to shake up your meals. The goal is not to have to do everything from scratch every night. If you know that you've got your, what you're making for the week and you're cutting up your onions and you know three other recipes have onions, cut up some more onions. You're already cutting. You're already crying. Mm -hmm. You know, save the tears. Right. Um, and then bag them and label them for what you're going to be using it for the rest of the week. It doesn't take any more time, but it will, will cut down on your overall time during the week. So uh, I work with these, these ideas when I work with clients to see what's going to fit with their lifestyle and their food requirements, et cetera. Love it. I'm so glad that you came and did this episode with me. Uh, I was going to add so, many, so much value to everyone's life. I was going to say to mom's life, but you know, dads cook too. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. <laughs> and the kids need to be introduced to the kitchen at some point. Yep. Um, our, our youngest, I remember my husband caught him standing up on the counter one day and he asked him, Christopher, what are you doing? 
He says, I'm getting this cinnamon down. I'm making French toast for myself. And he was like eight years old. And my husband was, was upset with me because our son was making his own breakfast. And I said, wait a second. That's my job. My job is to teach them how to take care of themselves. I don't. A hundred percent. Yep. He said, so that's proof I'm doing my job. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, it's funny that you say that. So I have a daughter who's 16 and my kids have been cooking also since they've been very little, because again, I'm a firm believer in, in sharing that knowledge and that fun. And I was working late one weekend, a couple of weeks ago, and my daughter looked at me and she said, you know, mom, you're working really hard today. I'll make dinner. And I said, okay, just like my mom said, find your recipe, go shopping with dad and make it. Whatever you make, I'll be very happy with. Well, she made grilled octopus tacos with a spicy salsa and a, and a lime cream. It was like, she blew me out of the water. <laughs> you know, she, she looked up the recipe on TikTok or wherever she goes to her sources and she just proceeded to do it. And I can't tell you how much pride I felt in my heart. I mean, the meal was delicious and that really was secondary to the fact that she was ambitious. She tried something she had never done. Um, and she just went for it. And you want to teach those skills to your kids. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we're not raising children. We're raising adults. And, and we want them to be productive members of society, which means they've got to know how to take care of themselves. At least the basics, you know, they got to know how to do their laundry. They got to know how to <laughs> grocery shop, how to cook for themselves. You know, those kinds of things. Balance the checkbook, all the, all the nitty gritty stuff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So again, I'm so glad that you were here with me and um, I look forward to someday uh, we're going to meet. Hey, we're going to have a meal together, Linda. Oh, you know, we could cook together and have a tremendous amount of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for being here on my I thoroughly enjoyed it. Happy cooking to everybody. It doesn't have to be complex to be delicious. Don't be afraid. Mistakes are your way to getting better. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. To learn more about me, your fairy god mentor, simply go to angietaylorfairygodmentor.com.